Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to be honest with you, the church, I'm going to give you something. What I'm going to give you tonight is so different than what I've given you in the last few services. But I am convinced, I'm convinced that this is the direction that we need to go tonight. And so I want you to, you know, hear me out this evening. And this is not just for young people, although it's uh, uh, in a big way for young people. This is a message that's applicable to everybody. And I couldn't quite figure out exactly what I wanted to call this tonight. So I've got two titles. And so I'm calling it Living a Life Without Talent or The People God Uses. Uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bibles, and when you find your place tonight, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. If you're able to stand, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses, I'm going to start in verse number 26, and we'll read down through verse number 31. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, the Bible says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence... But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, some of you like to mark your Bibles up. So I want you to go back and look at verse number 26. Um, uh, look, I'm sorry, look at verse number 27. The Bible says, but God hath chosen the foolish Things And if you like to mark your Bible, I want you to underline the word things there or circle it or highlight it. But God had chose, chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things, underline that word, the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28, and base things, there's that word again, underline that word, the base and base things of the world and Things, underline there, things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not. There it is again. Underline that word things if you like to mark your Bible. Because we're going to talk about those things tonight, at least for a little bit. And then we're going to get just really, really practical tonight. And, uh, <clears throat> and you won't have any problem understanding the message tonight, I'll promise you that, and, uh, but I believe it's going to be helpful, and, uh, I, and I know this, beyond a shadow of that, we're living in a culture and a generation that needs to hear this message that I'm going to bring tonight, so we're going to go forward with it, and we're going to pray and ask God to help us tonight. You may be seated this evening, and let's pray, and we'll jump into the Bible study and then uh, talk to you just a little bit tonight. Father, we love you, and thank you so much for the privilege to be back in your house again tonight. And uh, Lord, you're so good to me and my family, and you're so good to us, and we just appreciate your blessings. And Lord, I pray now that you'll, you'll help us as, Lord, as, uh, as I, the, the under-shepherd, the under 
the pastor of this church just try to speak into the lives of our people? Lord, is there, <clears throat> is there a chance, and I shouldn't say it like that because I know there is, anything's possible with you. But Lord, could we have a different generation of youth that come out of Calvary Baptist Church? Lord, could it be that maybe we wouldn't settle, <clears throat> we wouldn't settle for the status quo? Lord, maybe, just maybe, there would be some folks here at Calvary Baptist Church who wouldn't be satisfied with just getting by they're not just satisfied with mediocrity. But Lord, would you give us <clears throat> some folks here and especially some youth that would rise to another level, not be like the rest of the world, but they would be different. They would be separate. And so Lord, I pray that you would knit our hearts together tonight and Lord, I pray that you'd touch us spiritually. I pray you'd touch us physically and God, I pray that we'd be able to share this very simple message that you've laid upon my heart tonight. And I pray that it will honor you and glorify you. And I pray that it will be a great blessing to your people tonight. So help us, please. We, we love you. We got a lot to talk about tonight in a little bit of time. So, Lord, I pray that you'll direct the service. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. Brother Allen, mute this just for a minute. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, and excuse me. And, uh, but I felt like <laughs> that was there, and I needed to get it out. And so, what a great passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And basically, the message of the last part of the chapter that we read tonight is this, and it's a beautiful, beautiful message. The message is this. God has the power to use anything and anyone he chooses to accomplish his perfect will. That's basically, in a nutshell, that's basically the message there. That God says, I can use anything and anyone, by the way, he doesn't have to ask permission. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants to do because he's God and he can do anything he wants to do. And so that tells us something that even those, and this is gonna be a great blessing to somebody else other than me tonight, uh, although it's a huge blessing to me, but he's able to use even those who possess very little talent or education. So if you're here tonight and you've ever walked in the house of the Lord and you thought, man, where was I when they were passing out all the gifts? I mean, I must have been absent on that day. I, you know, and, and it seems like the Lord just helped this person. They sing you know, so beautifully, and this person plays an instrument. And by the way, thank God for that. Thank the Lord that God has sent us some very gifted and talented people at Calvary Baptist Church, and, and I'm so proud of them. They're, they're using their gifts for the kingdom of God, and, and I want to encourage, encourage all of our talented folk, keep doing that because, man, you're, you're, a, you're blessing us, and you're blessing me, and I appreciate that so much. But, but God is saying this, that I can use anybody I choose choose to use. And did you know this church, did you know that when we finally stand in the presence of the Lord, not one person will glory in himself. Look, look, at, what, look at what it says. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 29, the Bible says that no flesh, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus. <laughs> it's not of your own, it's of him 
who of God has made in us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, uh, that according as it is written, he that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. And so uh, the Lord says, I can use anybody that I want to use, even those that are uneducated and even those that are talented. Now, as we read the scripture tonight, we notice that scripture tells us exactly what kind of things or people that God uses in his service. And we notice that word things numerous times throughout the passage that we read tonight. I want to go back and I want to look at those things because what's really interesting is, and we know that our New Testament was translated from Greek, Koine Greek, and so if you really want to get the root meaning, man, go back and study those words out. And and so as I begin to go back and I begin to study each of those things that we read tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I noticed that although it says things in the English language, each of those things are a different word in the Greek. And they have a very different meaning. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I think you'll follow me here in just a moment. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 27. And the Lord is getting ready to tell us the people or the things that he, that he uses. So verse number 27, the Bible says, But God hath chosen the foolish things. Well, that's interesting. The word things there in the Greek is the word moros. M-O-R-O-S. <laughs> We get a word in our English vernacular from that word as well. It's the word moron. And by the way, I'm not trying to be humorous and I'm not trying to be funny tonight. I'm just, I'm just spitting it out there. And uh, how many know this? The Bible is very honest and the Bible is very candid and it just sort of tells it like it is. And so I look at this word moros in the Greek language, and I'm just going to tell you what it means, all right? And you don't have to take my word for it. You can go study it out for yourself. That'll be fine. But it means this. It means dull or stupid. But it goes further than that. It means blockhead. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever called somebody, man, you are a blockhead. You are a blockhead. Well, that's exactly what this word means uh, in, in the Greek. And so God is, now this is beautiful because uh, well, this gives a lot of us hope. And, and so the Lord is saying this, I can use anybody I want to use. I can use a college graduate. I can use somebody that has a doctorate degree. Or if I want to, God said, I can use a blockhead if I want to. I can use anybody that I want to use. Now, look at verse number 27 again. But God hath chosen the foolish things, moros of the world, to confound the wise. Look at this. And God hath chosen the weak things, the weak things. Now, this word things in the Greek is totally different. It's the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar at all tonight, but it's the Greek word as thinnest, and it means feeble or sick. Did you know that God can even take someone who's not physically well, and God can use them for his glory? Boy, I remember the story in, first, in, uh, in uh, John chapter 9, and I know you do as well, where Jesus and his disciples come into a town, and the Bible says there's a, a man there, and he's blind, and, uh, and he's born blind, and, and, uh, and the disciples said to the Lord, they said, Lord, who did sin that this man was born blind? Did he sin or his parents sin? Remember what Jesus told them? Neither. This man hasn't sinned, nor has it have his parents sinned. This man was born blind for the glory of God. 
And we know that later the Lord Jesus Christ healed this man and saved this man and God used this situation for his honor and his glory. Now, you may be here tonight and, and man, you may be able to run around this auditorium like Drake did tonight and, uh, or you may be sort of sickly like Brother Brandon. I'm not sure, but, but, uh, but, I, but I would tell you this. That regardless of where you are tonight, you know what? God can use you. God can use you. And boy, and I, I, and I shared this with somebody earlier tonight. Boy, I'm thankful God never throws the clay away. And so if you are perfect, if you're the specimen of health, praise the Lord. God can use you. But if God gives you cancer, God can use you. And if God gives you some kind of an affliction, God can use you. That's exactly what the Bible is teaching us here. Now look at verse number 28. I love this one I'm getting ready to give you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. And God says, let me tell you what else I can use. And base things of the world. Now, it's the same in the English, completely different in the Greek. It's the Greek word, a genus. And it means this, without family. It's a word that means someone, someone who is low-born, Somebody that's missing a parent. I'm talking about a kid that lives in a single parent home. I'm talking about a kid that grew up in an orphanage and never knew why. And always wondered why they didn't have a mom and a dad like everybody else. Always wondered where their dad was. Dad was never in their life. Wonder where mama was. Mama was never a part of their life. And, and they always wondered about that. I, you know, why am I so different? And, and because of this situation, or, you know, maybe there's even somebody here tonight or somebody watching my way of live stream, and, and they say, preacher, uh, my daddy was a drug addict, and, and he died, you know, when he, in his 20s, and I never really got to know my dad. And, and because of that, uh, you know what? God can never use me. I beg to differ. There's a reason that God put this in his Bible and, and, and I have a Bible that has no mistakes in it and it is absolutely inspired and infallible of God and God said, I want you to know something that if you're a blockhead, I can use you and if you're weak and sickly, I can use you and if you're lowborn and you don't know who your mama is and you don't know who your daddy is, I can use you. And boy, he can, can he? Look at verse number 28 again. And base things, agendas, and look at this, and things which are despised. It's the Greek word exothenio. It means those things that are least esteemed. Look at verse 28 again. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not. Now look that up, and it is the Greek word, it looks like me in our English language, M-E, and it just means this, it means something that expresses an absolute denial. In other words, in other words, the world may look on at someone and say, you know what, you can never be used, and God says, those are the kind of people I use. Those that express absolute denial. Uh, you know, be careful about ever telling somebody you can never be used. Because God can use anybody he wants to use. 
And, uh, and oftentimes God does. Talent is not a requirement to be used to God. Now, I got to hurry. We got so much. So, so we, we got a lot to accomplish here tonight. But God is saying this. I got so much to say. I'm getting all messed up. And that's all, folks. Amen. And uh, listen, God is using, is capable of using anything and anyone to accomplish his will. Now, when I begin to think about that thought, I thought about Numbers chapter 22, where God used a beast of burden. Remember Balaam's donkey? And so if God wants to use a donkey to rebuke a prophet, he can do that. I thought about Joshua chapter 24 where God mentions using the hornet as his army. I thought about Psalm 104 where God uses the rabbit and goats to teach a life lesson. And Psalm 78 where God mentions using the locust as his agent of judgment. judgment. And Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus uses a fish to provide some tax money. And Matthew chapter 18, where the Lord Jesus Christ uses a little child to teach a great Bible lesson. Now again, the message of 1 Corinthians chapter one is so beautiful. And the message is this, I can use you. And it doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter what your social status is. Doesn't matter... uh, how rich, how poor. It doesn't matter. God is saying this, that I can use you. Someone says, Pastor, but I'm not, I'm not talented. God says, I can use you. Someone says, Preacher, I'm super talented. God can use you. And so God, God's message is, is that if you are talented and you're educated, I'm able to use you for my kingdom and use you for my glory. But if you're not educated and you're not talented, God said, I can use you for my glory. Now, isn't that a wonderful message tonight, Calvary? It really is. And I'm so thankful that I'm able to give that to you tonight. But that's just the introduction. And so praise the Lord for that great spiritual information, but I want to switch gears totally tonight. And I want to give you, as your pastor, I want to give you some practical information as well. I want to give you some things that you don't need talent or education to do. Everybody ready? How about this? Number one, you don't need talent or education to be on time. Somebody says, preacher, I don't have a college degree. Well, that's all right. You can still be on time. Someone says, pastor, I, I, I don't have my, my uh, high school diploma. Well, that's all right. <clears throat> you can still be on time. And the truth is, you know what, church, we appreciate things that are on time. We really do, don't we? And, 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 and I, I noticed this too. Even those folks that, that aren't very punctual, they want other things to be on time. Have you ever noticed that? Those folks are always late. Uh, you know, whenever they're at the airport, boy, they want their plane to be on time. And whenever they're at the bus depot, they want their bus to, to be on time. And whenever they're, uh, you know, taking a train ride somewhere, they want their train to be on time. Now, listen to me. I, I understand tonight that uh, occasionally, it's just going to happen. I mean, sometimes you just can't, you, you, you can't help it. Sometimes you get in traffic. Sometimes uh, you didn't know there was going to be a traffic jam and, and you just couldn't help yourself. And, uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, church, that most of the time, most of the time, regardless of who you are or what you look like or where you come from or who your mom or dad are, uh, you know what? You can be on time. Amen. Are we having a good time in the house of the Lord tonight? Hey, did you know that tardiness is a contradiction to Christ's likeness. And really, it's a form of pride. 
Because let me, let me tell you what tardiness says. Tardiness says everybody can wait on me. But y'all know what that is? That's selfishness. Well, I'm important enough that yes, we may get started a little late, but that's all right. And it's all right because it's me. And that's anti-Bible. In fact, listen to what the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter two, verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so again, tardiness, if we're not careful, being late, it can, it, you know, it can be a bad testimony and it can, it can send the wrong message that, you know what, we feel like that, uh, that you know what, you're, I, I'm worthy of you waiting on me, but I'll tell you something else. Tardiness shows a lack of character. Now, I know, church, everybody take a deep swallow and a deep breath, and I know this is about as old school as it gets, and these are not the kind of things that we teach much anymore, but how many know these are the kind of things we better get back to teaching? Tardiness shows a lack of character. Someone says, for preacher, I just can't get up. You can do anything you put your mind to. Why well, I, you know, I just, I got rode up at work, you know, and I got suspended from school. Why'd you get suspended? I'm just, I'm late every day. Why are you late? I just can't get up. You can get up if you want to. And isn't it interesting, church, that we can get up for things that we really enjoy and things that, things that we want to do. You can do, listen, you can do what you train yourself to do. And, and I, I, I don't want to just tell you this. Do what you've got to do to get up. Whatever you've got to do. I mean, do what you've got to do to get up. I, I remember in college, and, and, uh, and, uh, and they taught me this, and so I did it. And so I remember, man, we were burning the candle at both ends, and I was working a full-time job and a full schedule of classes, and then we were uh, spending probably 30 hours a weekend on the, in the ministry. And I mean, man, it was just busy, busy, busy all the time. And, and uh, sleep was uh, uh, just something that you didn't get a whole lot for four or five years. And, and I can remember... Uh, uh, having to get up in the morning and I would not trust myself with one clock. I would set two and I would put one clock by the bed but the other clock I would not put by the bed because how many know, how many know that when that clock goes off, you'll do this. And you'll do it about 22 times, you know, I snooze and before you know it, you're late. And so I would set one clock by the bed, and then I would take the other clock. You say, preacher, you're making this stuff up. I'm not making it up. You can ask my wife. I would take the other clock, and I would set the other clock, and I would set it underneath the dresser. And so in the morning, I'd wake up, and that clock, that, that, that blessed clock would go off, and I'd try to, you know, kill it, and, and, and I would. I would succeed in killing that, but that other one would also be going off, and it's going off, and it's going off, and, and I couldn't reach it. And so you know what I had to do? I had to get out of the bed, and I not only had to get out of the bed, but I had to crawl up underneath the dresser to turn the stupid thing off, amen. But I'll tell you what it did do. It got me up out of bed, and it got me there on time. Tardiness. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 13 says, Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. So number one, you don't have to be educated or talented to be on time. Number two, 
You don't have to be educated or talented to work hard. Did you know, and young people, hear me out tonight, if you would. Did you know that no good ever comes to a lazy man? Now, I want you to take your Bibles tonight. If you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 24, Proverbs chapter 24, and you say, Pastor, why would you bring a message like this on a Wednesday night? Because church, we're needy. I'm talking about our, our generation. Man, we have, boy, Houston, we got a problem, don't we? And so look at Proverbs chapter 24. Kids, I want you to look at it with me tonight. Proverbs chapter 24, I promise you, I want to help you tonight. Proverbs 24 and verse number 30 through 34 tells us about the slothful man. And in verse number 30, the Bible says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. And, and then he says this, yet a little sleep a little hitting of the snooze button, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. Now what's our Bible teaching there? Is that no good ever comes to a lazy man. And so what, what's our Bible saying? As practical as this is, our Bible is saying, get up and get going. Get to work. That's what it's saying. Get to work. Man, pull yourself. If you've got to drag yourself out of that bed, drag yourself out of that bed and get your carcass to work. That's what it's saying. And so, man, we're, we're, so, we're so confused. Man, we are like a termite in a yo-yo now. And it's like we feel guilty. We feel guilty to wake our kids up to go to work. What? You're paying the medical bill, you're paying air conditioning, you're paying the grocery bill, you're paying, uh, uh, some of you are paying their gas bill for their car, you're paying their insurance, I mean, you're paying all these things, and then you and your wife get up in the morning at 5.30 and go to work while they lay in bed till 10 o'clock? I don't think so, brother. This isn't very eloquent preaching, but get your lazy carcass out of bed and get to work. That's why I'm not very talented. It don't take any talent to work hard. You know, we, we all often talk about we often talk about the virtuous woman. Remember that in Proverbs 31? Turn over there, if you will. Proverbs chapter 31. The virtuous woman. And the Bible says about the virtuous woman that her price, her price is far above rubies. You know what I noticed as I'm reading about the virtuous woman whose price is far above rubies? You know what I noticed about her? Man, this gal is a worker. Look at verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Look at verse 13. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth the vineyard. Now, again, what's our Bible teaching us here is that this lady, she is of great worth. And part of the reason that she's of such great worth is because this gal's a worker. She's a worker. Hey, you want to be of great worth? 
Man, be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. First Thessalonians chapter four, I'll just read these for you. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 11. And that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse number 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Hey, young people, can I challenge us tonight? Don't have the reputation of being an employee who goofs off. You know what I believe? I believe those folks who attend Calvary Baptist Church, I believe that they ought to be the hardest workers anywhere around. I believe that people ought to see a difference in our people. I believe, man, when they come in, they ought to come in with a vengeance and, I mean, punch that time clock on time and, and be there. And as, and as you're there, put in eight hours for eight hours pay and, man, work. My dad would say this, don't let the boss man see you sitting down. How many times have I heard him drill that into my mind? Don't let the boss man see you sitting down. Don't let the boss man see you sitting down. Somebody says, well, I got done with my job. And dad would say, if you get done with your job, that's fine. But find a broom and start sweeping. Start sweeping up. Dad would always say that if you're willing to work hard and be faithful to give to God, that you'll always be successful. You know, the truth is tonight, church, there are a lot of preachers who are much more talented than I am. And we have them here. And we're gonna continue to have them here. Sometimes we have guys, you know, like Jeremy Simpson, we, and, you know, he preaches a house down and he plays the piano like nobody's business and sings. And, and then we have Scott Caudill come in. Scott Caudill, you know, so eloquent, man, he preaches like crazy and he sings and writes songs. And we have all these talented guys in. And I'm gonna be honest with you, uh, a lot of these guys are much more talented than I am and I can't out-preach them and I can't out-teach them and I can't out-organize them. But I tell you what I can do, I can work as hard as them. In fact, I want you to turn over real quickly, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look, if you will, at verse number 10 tonight. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 10. I love what Paul says here. Paul felt like he was the least of the apostles. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 10, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Look what he says, though. But he said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And any of our young people that are here tonight, you say, Pastor, I'm working a job, and I'm gonna tell you what, I'm not as talented as the next guy. Okay, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can outwork him. You say, Pastor, that, that guy, man, he knows how to run computers and, man, he knows how to work with software and, I mean, I, I don't know a thing about that. And by the way, we need guys like that. We need guys like Evan back there who can do those kind of things. But if all you have is the nerds <laughs> that know how to work with software and he don't mind me saying that, that's what he is. He's a nerd for Jesus, amen. He really, he really is. Because he is, we've had people saved here. And so he's probably proud, proud and I'm proud of him. I'm proud of him. But if that's all you have in a business, you're not gonna have a great business. Because you need some folks who can run a saw. 
and you need some folks who knew how to mop a floor and some folks who knew how to, how to, how to sweep, sweep up. And so uh, you don't have to be talented and educated to be on time. You don't have to be talented and educated to work hard. I'll tell you something else. You don't have to be talented and educated to have a good attitude. Ephesians 4.23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You're in Corinthians, so turn back just a few pages to Romans chapter 15. We're talking about attitude. Romans chapter 15. And look at verse number five tonight. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Look at verse six. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how many know this, Calvary, that attitude makes all the difference in the world? You say, Pastor, I'm, I've never graduated from college. Okay, how's your attitude? Preacher, I don't even have a GED. How's your attitude? You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a doctor to just go through life and say, listen, I may not be educated as him. I may not have the talent like that person has, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can go through life with a great attitude. And someone said this, and I love this. Someone said your altitude, I'm sorry, your attitude will determine your altitude. Man, that is true, church. Your attitude will determine your altitude. And so as you go through life, man, whatever you do, keep a good attitude. How about this? You don't have to be educated or talented to go the extra mile. Now turn over, if you will, we're about done. Turn over to to Matthew chapter five tonight. Let me show you some scripture. Matthew chapter five and verse number 39 tonight. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 39. Notice what our Lord says here. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, look what he says here, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at at the law and take away thy coat, will let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him what? Go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn not thou away. Now, uh, Jesus said this, I want you to go the extra mile. And if you study this out, some believe this. Some believe that, of course, this was written back in the time of, of Roman occupation. And the Jews, well, the Jews hated that. They hated the Roman government. They hated the centurions. They hit of the Roman guard. And, and often these Roman soldiers would come by and they would, uh, they would take a Jew and they would make this Jew carry something for him and they would make him carry it for a mile. They forced this Jew to carry this thing for a mile. And they had no, you know, no recourse. They had to do it. But Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says, hey, if a Roman soldier comes and, and gets you and says, hey, carry this for a mile, Jesus said, don't just carry it for a mile, carry it too. And you know what he was saying? When you go the extra mile, it's gonna get their attention. And when the world sees Christians do more than they're expected to do, 
It grabs their attention. And boy, how many know this? The, day, the days of initiative, they're sort of gone, aren't they? Initiative, preacher, I don't even know what that is. Initiative is when you do a job when you don't have to be told to do it. And so the paper's laying on the floor. You don't have to wait for somebody else to pick it up. That means I need to pick it up. If I see a job that needs to be done at work and anybody can do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna wait on somebody else to do it. I'm gonna take the initiative and I'm gonna get it done. And when the world, when the world sees us go the extra mile, it stands out to them because they're not doing it. And that's not what people are teaching anymore. And, and by the way, church, that's exactly why here at Calvary Baptist Church, and we don't have it mastered yet, but, but that's why we try to go the extra mile in church. That's why we try to go the, the extra mile in hospitality. And I love it, man. I love it when people come here and they say, wow, man, Calvary Baptist Church is the friendliest church that I've ever been to. That's not by accident. That's on purpose. That's on purpose. We mean to do that. Why? Because we want to go the extra mile. We don't want to be just a nice church. We don't want to be just ho-hum. We don't want to be just mediocre. Brother, we want to be the friendliest church in all of North Carolina. Why? Because when the world walks in and they see a church that goes the extra mile, they step back and say, whoa, I've never been greeted like that. I've never got that many handshakes. I've never had somebody give me a book like that. I've never had somebody come to me and just welcome me and show me where the restrooms are and, and, uh, and offer my seat to them and uh, go, go the extra mile. It's why we try to go the extra mile in cleanliness. It's why we try to go the extra mile in singing and music. Now, we want to do better? You better know we do. Have we reached our goal? No, we've still got so much growing to do. And we want to go further and we want to go higher and we want to do better and I want to do better. But I'm saying this by the grace of God, Calvary Baptist Church, our attitude ought to be, I'm going the extra mile. I'm not going to do what I just got to do to get by in my Sunday school class. I'm not going to do what I just got to do, you know, do to get by in the choir. Well, I might come on Tuesday night and I might not. Why not? Amen. Surgery? No. Death? Mm, no. Relatives coming in from out of town? No. Basketball game's coming on. Well, you know what? If you go the extra mile, you say, forget the basketball game and come to choir practice. Amen. I'm talking about going the extra mile. And we want to take, we want to go the extra mile. Listen, you don't have to be educated and you don't have to be uh, talented to go the extra mile. Hey, how about this when we're done tonight? Number five, you don't have to be educated or talented to be teachable. I can remember while in college someone making this statement. In fact, I remember who it was. He said, your life will be changed more by what is caught than what is taught. But I'm convinced that you know what? You'll never catch life-changing truth if you're not teachable. Did you know the people who go far and do more are those folks that have a teachable spirit? And I'm gonna be honest with you, we don't see that as much anymore. People that just come and say, man, just teach me. Just teach me. Show me what to do. Tell me what to do. Uh, listen, those who have a critical spirit toward instruction never seem to go very far. 
In fact, turn over and we're done tonight. Proverbs chapter nine. Proverbs chapter nine and look at verse number nine. Wow, what a verse. Proverbs nine and verse number nine. We're talking about being teachable. Proverbs nine, verse nine, the Bible says, give instruction to a wise man and look what happens. And he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. You know what that's talking about, church? We ought to have a teachable spirit. Just someone, and by the way, did you know that someone knows something that you don't know? You know, listen, church, and I, and I don't think there's anybody here like that tonight, but don't ever get to the place where you feel like you've arrived. And there's nothing else I can learn. Are you kidding me? Man, the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know. And you know what I would encourage these young people to do? You young people ought to find some of these older folks, more mature folks in the church. You say, you talking about these gray-headed? Yeah, that's exactly who I'm talking about. You talking about these folks that have wrinkles? That's exactly who I'm talking about. And some of you young people need to go up to them with a Christ-like spirit and you ought to say, would you just teach me? Some of you young couples in this church ought to find some of these older couples that have been married for 40 and 50 years and you ought to say, could we take you out to eat one night? Was there a reason? Yeah, we just, we, we wanna, we're gonna eat and listen while y'all talk. We're not gonna do the talking, we're gonna let y'all do the talking. How'd you make it 50 years? How'd you make it 60 years? How'd you make it without killing her? You know. <laughs> Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, I've never, 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 never thought about divorce. Murder, yes. And uh, yeah. teachable. This is so simple tonight. I'm telling you, this is probably the simplest lesson I've brought in a long time but it would do wonders in our church if we would just walk in here and say, man, I'm gonna have a teachable spirit and I wanna learn, I wanna learn. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for this message because when I compare myself to men like Scott Caudle and Jeremy Simpson some of these, so many of these other wonderful men of God that we've had at Calvary, it seems like I fall so short. Lord, I'm glad though that you don't have to be talented and you don't have to be educated to be used by an almighty God. Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight who felt like they could never be used again Lord, tonight, would you help them to realize that's the propaganda of the enemy? And Lord, would you confirm in their hearts and their minds tonight that you have a plan for them and that, God, you want to reach them beyond their wildest imagination? Father, would you give us some young people at Calvary Baptist Church who would walk in here on Sundays and Wednesdays and during youth group and who would walk in here with a teachable spirit, who would say, teach me. Show me how to live the Christian life. 
Show me how you've been saved for 50 and 60 years and you're still serving God, still faithful after all these years. Got a clean testimony. Show me. Show me how you play that instrument. How is it that you hit that note? Can you show me how to do that? Is there any chance that you could show me how to teach a lesson? Or maybe you could show me how to run the soundboard. Could you teach me? Father, I pray tonight that you would use, somehow use this simple, simple thought. God, help us to be different than this world. Lord, when everybody else is running late, help us to be early. Father, when everybody else is being lazy, help us to work hard. Lord, when everybody else is tripping over their lip, help us to have a good attitude. God, when everybody else just does what they have to do to get by, help us to go the extra mile. God, raise up a different generation at Calvary. I pray you'll have your way in the invitation, please, and we, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And real quickly tonight before we dismiss, I wonder if there may be one here tonight who would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I've never been saved, and I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere tonight like that? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Anybody like that? And I could pray for you tonight. Anybody at all? I want to pray for you. You know, you don't have to come to an altar tonight. But young person, young person, teenager, could you just pray something like this tonight in your heart to the Lord? Lord, would you help me to have a teachable spirit? Lord, would you show me somebody who I could get to pour into my life? Invest in me. I want to have a faithful marriage. God, I want to succeed in business. I want to have a good testimony. I want to be known as a good worker. Hey, would you just pray this tonight? Lord, would you show me? Lord, would you teach me? Would you instruct me? Let's do this tonight at least, church. Let's all stand around the house tonight with our heads bowed, and our eyes closed. If you need to come, the altars are open. You may be here tonight. You say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Or preacher, I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're just not where you need to be with the Lord. And tonight you tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, would you forgive me? And Lord, help me. Help me to be the Christian that you want me to be. And so we're going to pause just for a minute, all right? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come, the altars are open. And we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer of dismissal here in just a moment. Would you come? Would you come?